And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Beautiful sentence of Paul's there encapsulating how God touches and changes our lives. Uh, Some of you were here for Thursday evening. We had a a great time of sort of fellowship around potluck supper, reflecting on Monday, Thursday, a time we remember the Last Supper, Jesus' command that we love one another. And uh, we reflected upon the amazing Jesus, the Jesus who amazes us in so many ways. On Friday, um, I shared out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians about how through his suffering and his blood, through his taking of himself upon his own body, the the sickness, the illness, the evil, the sin of the world. And rather than project it back on us, he took it and instead gives us grace and healing. And he creates one new man out of two. And he removed the dividing wall of hostility. Thanks be to God. Today I want to reflect upon the startling love of Christ. As we see in the cross and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us, his people. And I want us, in the midst of this, there's a a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says, And we all with unveiled faces. So compared to Moses, who having come down from the mountain, had to wear a veil over his face because of the very glory of God that the people couldn't bear to look upon, but that would eventually fade. But he says, No, us with unveiled faces, bearing this same glory, beholding the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus. And it's God's invitation that we would look upon Him. We would love Him. This is what changes us. Look to Him. And of course, this is a day like no other in which we get to uh, celebrate the startling love of Christ seen on Calvary. We have hope because of the empty tomb. If God can overcome death, he can overcome anything and everything. He is the author of life. Jesus came that we would have life in abundance. There is hope in even the darkest moments. In fact, as we see in those words from Paul, some of those times of suffering are because of what God is working in us. And it becomes redemptive to us. And so there is the the gift of life now, and life eternal. Jesus constantly amazed and startled people, sometimes by the things that he said. Arise, take up your stretcher and go home. What, me, the cripple lying on the stretcher? You want me to get up and walk? And he did. You think that was startling? Lazarus, we pondered recently, dead four days. He stinketh, the authorized version likes to say. And he speaks life to a stinking, rotten corpse. Do you think that's amazing? Lazarus, come forth. Sometimes it was what he did. He kind of played around with water at times. He turned water into wine, as the Baptists love to celebrate. The very best wine. That's what he does. He turned water into a kind of a walking footpath. He walked on it. Do you think that was amazing to those who observed that? He turned water once into a pig's graveyard as he cast demons out of a man into a herd of pigs who ran over the cliff and were drowned. Such is God's love, you see, for the man. 
for you, for freedom. Miracles were amazing, and none more so than his very own resurrection, even though we guys just struggle to believe the words of the women around us. Nothing changes much, hey ladies. We thank you for your wisdom. Help us. Have mercy upon us. <laughs> but all of this, you see, is meant to show God's amazing love for us. Jesus touched the untouchable, the lepers, who carried that social stigma such that they were unworthy and unwelcomed and expelled from the community. He sat and talked with a Samaritan woman and asked her for a drink. It's hard for us to understand how unacceptable that was and how startling to her. He protected and affirmed the woman caught in adultery and said, neither do I condemn you. He welcomed children and he blessed them. Even that in itself was hugely startling and impactful in the culture of the day. You see, pretty much everything Jesus did and said was startling to the people around him. Now, this verse in Romans 5 and verse 5 startles us because Christ's love brings hope to troubled lives. Have you experienced and known hope because of Christ in your life, though troubled? You see, those very same lepers now from a place of trouble, were welcomed into the community. They were acceptable once more. They could participate in the worshipping life of the people. The Samaritan woman now had something to share with her community, a testimony, a sense of her own worth and value. What joy and freedom the woman caught in adultery must have felt. Anticipating death by stoning, and she's set free. And the Gospels are full of these stories of similar expressions of Jesus bringing hope to troubled lives. And being Easter especially, we're mindful of the eternal realities that are at play here. Even from the cross, we're startled by his love, or we ought to be. It's a familiar story, sometimes too familiar, and we need God to bring something fresh from it. But those Roman soldiers, hardened men, who'd nailed and crucified people before, were startled after mocking him, torturing him, nailing him, shaming him, naked to a cross. They hear, Father, forgive them. I can't imagine what that must have done to someone. They were used to insults, swearing, screaming, and they hear, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. There is no wonder that the centurion says, truly this man was the Son of God. That is a radical thing to say for a Roman centurion. You see, Caesar was the Son of God. Caesar was the one who brings salvation and peace. Caesar was Lord. And here's a Roman soldier saying, truly this man is the Lord. You see, that's the power of Christ's startling love even from the cross and his forgiveness. The thief next to Jesus could have been me. A lifetime of deception, poor choices. And yet, he hears the words not of condemnation but of acceptance. Not rejection. Today, 
you will be with me in paradise. There is a man hanging to his death because he's been utterly rejected because of his wrongdoing. And in the face of that, the startling, merciful love of God says, you will be with me. You belong to me. You are mine. And I am yours. Does this startle us? His own mother, Mary. What amazing supportive love we see, even from the cross. Dear woman, here is your son. And he says to John, here is your mother. And John the Gospel writer tells us, from that day forth, Mary lived with him. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. The measure of his physical, emotional and spiritual suffering. The, the sheer torment that he was going through. And he takes thought of his mother. This startles me. But this brings us hope. And we see this hope through his forgiveness to all of us. His acceptance of us, even though you struggle to accept yourself and to love yourself because you know you're guilty, as I do myself. And his deep love expressed through support. You and I have the same needs today. The day I met Christ as a, a young mid-20-year-old for the first time in a genuine way, you see, I'd lived a, li a life of hiddenness, of thievery, of fear. I'd lied because I lived with so much fear. I was a pretty self-centered guy. Oh, you would have met me and not realized that as we meet a lot of people and don't realize that. And I couldn't get over a realization of how much God loved me from the cross. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't live another day without having to make a decision, what am I going to do with this startling, hope-filled love? And it brought peace to my troubled life. There have been times in ministry where I've wanted to give up and walk away because I knew myself I'm just spent and worn out and tired of giving. And somehow he comes and gives to me in ways I never expected. There have been times when financially we, we weren't too sure how things were going to work out. Um, actually, earlier in my life I had a fairly well-paid job. I was in the computer industry. And we went to seminary and we had no money. Uh, we were in debt, up to our eyeballs, trying to pay a mortgage that was like about 13% interest. And... Um, and we were given allowance at college and we decided to tithe that allowance. We gave about £100 a month. Crazy. And you know, early on in our time there, we had some friends back in the church we'd come from committed to give us £110 a month for all the time we were in, se in seminary. I couldn't believe it. Not only did they give us to cover the tithe, they gave us to cover the extra tithe I had to give because I had more money coming in. It's time we, had, we didn't have a washing machine. It blew up and we're praying with our kids. God, we need a washing machine. We have no money. That night we went to dinner with a friend of mine and his wife and he says, I've got a washing machine down in the garage. We can't have it in our apartment because they're banned on the second floor. You have it. I mean, it's a little thing, but oh my goodness, it's a token of hope God brings. 
So we need to be startled by this love and we need to realize the hope he brings into our troubled lives. But thirdly, Christ's love, when it is shown through us, brings hope to a pain-filled world. And this world needs hope. Over 20 people killed, this, Christians killed this morning in Sri Lanka through suicide bombers. This is a broken world. But it's not just over in Sri Lanka. In Canada, I was looking. Every day, 565 people are diagnosed with cancer and over 220 die every day. You see, we face death. But God wants to give us hope. Twelve people die from alcohol abuse every day. 129 from substance abuse. 16 commit suicide. And eight are killed in road traffic accidents. You see, it's a troubling world. God hasn't fixed everything for now. But he meets us in the place of struggle and brings hope. And when people are struggling, they need something from outside of themselves. And I think they need also something more than just Bible truth. They need to know what it looks like for people to care about them. The old adage, people really don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's so important, so simplistic, but so true. Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. But Paul was the one who shared not only the gospel of Christ, but his very lives with, his pe- with the people he was trying to reach. He showed care for them. But people still need compassionate ambassadors of God's love. They need truth with skin on. Which is exactly what Jesus of Nazareth was who said to us through his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, we're meant to be that same expression of love to a troubled world, a community of hope where Christ's forgiveness, Christ's acceptance and support are abundantly available because we've been startled by his love and we can do nothing else but express it to any and every who would come. And we find so many opportunities. As as a young Christian, I always remember being impacted by an evangelist saying, you know, a missionary is not somebody who crosses the sea. It's somebody who sees the cross. You see, the moment we see the starting love of God from the cross, we're compelled when we've received that love to give it away, to go and tell and show And you're surrounded by friends, workmates, neighbors, struggling and suffering with sickness, with death of loved ones, with children making difficult and sometimes destructive choices of people who are living alone. And we have Christ's startling love to offer. That is our call. This is not for us. It's for him. But it's only as we gaze and behold upon him and see almost the mirror of the cross reflecting back to us that we're not worthy of this, but nevertheless, it's offered to us. And finally, it's, it's Christ's love in our hearts. It's the experience of that. It's no longer a story we read about, a picture we look upon the wall, 
but it's the experienced reality of the love of the Father poured into our hearts, as Paul says, through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And if you're not sure that that's been your experience to date, come and ask for prayer. There is not one of us that God doesn't want to give that to. It's who He is. And people will experience for themselves a new and profound sense of hope as they encounter Christ in us and His love through us. Does that sound amazing? Does that sound startling? Does that actually sound pretty crazy? God, surely you've got a plan B. No. No. That group of people who locked themselves away for a fear of the Jews, basically the Jewish authorities and the chief leaders, that group who even after the resurrection and his ascension, still some did not believe that was the only plan. It boggles the mind. You mean, Jesus, you went through all of that and then put it in our hands? Well, he didn't abdicate his responsibility. He's with us in it. But he's, he's with us. And it's to be expressed through us. And it's this love that empowers us. This is why we have to behold and receive from Him. This isn't about girding up our loins and trying hard. Oh, if I can only get up the courage to say something. No. It's, where, it's that point when we're so overtaken and through this startling love of Christ that it spills out from us and we express it as a part of who we are. The Christ who forgave those who wounded Him. Have you been wounded? Can you forgive? Who accepted the thief? Have people rejected you, stolen from you? And can you accept them? This is the plan. There's no other. That God wants to express this same love through you and I, which is why He's given us the Holy Spirit. And there are people right now in your life, whether it's in your family, in your community, in your workplace, in your life, that are broken and troubled and need a touch from God. I believe that with all my heart. So let's be quiet. Let's invite you to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit. Not only is He the one who empowers us and changes us, but He directs us and guides us. So Holy Spirit, speak to your people even now, Lord. Bring to mind those around them. It may be someone in your home. Maybe someone you sit near at work. It may be that person across the street you've often seen but never said anything to other than hi and bye. But allow the Holy Spirit. He knows them. He loves them. Now speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. Now we have hope. The empty grave speaks of the great power of God's love. Death and the grave are powerless. Sickness is powerless. The demonic is powerless. How do we access this power? Well, it's been given to you. If you've received the Holy Spirit, if you've opened your heart to God, if you said yes to Him, Jesus said, you shall receive power 
when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as you draw close to Him, and as you behold Him and gaze upon Him, as a sense of gratitude for the love of God that has saved you, that has healed you, that has taken you from despair to hope, from sadness to joy, from death to life, as that invades your heart and mind and wells up within you, that will compel you. That is what will motivate us. That is why this week is so significant in the life of the church. It defines us. His love was so undeserved. So hear for yourself these words of forgiveness in Jesus' name. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're beautiful. You're acceptable. You're a child of God. There is therefore now no condemnation. You belong. Receive His care. Know that whatever you set out to do in His name and for His glory, He will provide support for you. Continue to picture for yourself the suffering servant. Imagine the sheer agony of the cross, the sense of His aloneness, His despair, His sense of separation. For the first time in all eternity, He was unaware that God was with Him. Life was ebbing away. And this Jesus thinks of others. Who did he do it for? Well, we read he did it for the whole world. But that means he did it for you and me. Do you know that? Can he gaze upon his glory? And those angels appeared in resplendent glory, but the glory of Jesus was a bruised, beaten, blooded, crucified body. A life surrendered to the will of a Father for you and for me. Mystery. Allow your heart to be touched by this truth. Say yes to Him. He is your hope. He is your life. He loves you. With a love that never ends and will never be withdrawn. This is what we need. This is what we need to empower us to go and do likewise. To fulfill the call that is upon us. As we're humbled by His grace. And there's a a troubled, broken, hurting world that needs to see God's love in action. You needed it. People have always needed it. And God has given it. And He's continuing to give it through His people. Could you startle people with that love? This is our call. For the rest of our lives upon the earth, we are to gaze upon and behold the beauty of the Lord and delight in His provision and enjoy Him because we'll enjoy Him forever. But we are to express and share that love with those who who yet don't know it. This is why He came. This is why He's here now. This is why He's breaking the chains and clothing us with a robe of righteousness. This is why the, the stain of sin has been removed. This is why your heart has been set free. In fact, he's taken that heart of stone, as the prophet said he would, and he's put a heart of flesh and his spirit within you, and he's moved you to obey. And he says, just love me. Just love me. Just love me. Gaze upon him and love him. And he will change 
you and change this world. Let's stand. I just want you to pray quietly in your own heart or aloud or with the person next to you, whatever you're comfortable with. And I want you to pray for that person that God spoke to you earlier as I invited. Lift them to the Lord. Ask the Lord to break the power of sin, to break the deceit of the enemy, to heal them of their sickness, to shower his grace upon them, to give you an opportunity to love them deeply and in a way that's startling, to provide for them, to demonstrate this love. Come Holy Spirit, burden us for the brokenness of this world. Lord, you died for this world. You long for all of your children to return to you from the east and the west, the north and the south. We'll visit this western nation, Lord, this western land, this island, but also the others that our lives represent and roll away the stone of unbelief and hardness of heart. Roll away the stones of pain and trauma. Roll away the stones, Lord, of fear and shame, of guilt and unworthiness. Roll away the stones, Lord, of abuse, the stones of the, the enemy's lies and accusations. And continue to do that in us, Lord that we may see your glory manifest. Because as we behold him, Paul says, we are being transformed from one degree of glory unto the next. And it's not just the angels that are meant to dazzle. Our lives are meant to dazzle. Because of the glory of God that is upon us. And as we begin to express his love, people are going to be blown away. Lives are going to be changed. Strongholds are going to be broken. Communities are going to be transformed. Homes are going to be restored. Families renewed. Hope once more. Come Lord Jesus, we pray. Burden us for these things. Cause us to be those who would pray. And bring these people before you and before your throne, O oh God. But two, recognize that we are sent in your name. To be an instrument for your glory and an expression of your startling love. Empower us for these things, we pray. In Jesus' name. Now Jesus, on that first day of the week, when they were locked away because of their fear, came and stood among them. And he said, Peace be with you. The peace of Christ be with you. Receive his peace. Peace with God. Peace with brothers and sister. Overwhelming peace. Receive his peace.